You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Responsible for all of the creativity that we see that's in this house and flowing out of this house actually comes through that man. And then I started to remember my first days coming into C3. And beautiful Pastor Audrey was my very first Connect Group leader. She was one of my first friends here at C3, and I just wanted to honor you both for being so faithful to God's house. You are faithful to people, but above that, and the reason that you can be faithful to people is because you are faithful to God first. And I know some of the sacrifices in the natural, and I know some of the things that you guys have gone through, but even for you both, and I wasn't planning on saying any of this, but I truly believe, oh, the best is yet to come. Like, there are so many things ahead. And this is what I heard when actually when I was sitting on the front row, not only for you, but for your children. And I just saw that your children, they have been taught of the Lord and that your children will flourish in the courts of their God. You are raising them in a house that loves God, that worships God. And I see each one of them going on to do some of the most unique, incredible things on planet earth because of your faithfulness and because of your loyalty. So thank you. Can we have a big common blessing for Paul? And I affectionately call Paul Pablo. And I actually speak Spanish, so I know it's Pablo but I feel to call him Pablo. (laughs) Tis what it is. All right, we're gonna get into the word this morning. I'm gonna pray and um, we're gonna have fun tonight. Are you ready to be interactive in this service? All right, let's pray. God, oh God, Lord, we thank you for this word, God. We thank you that it is not by accident or by chance that even every person that is here, the people that are listening, oh God, we thank you right now that you are gonna do a new thing. I declare breakthrough in the name of Jesus, in the area of relationships, circumstances, oh God. I thank you for breakthrough in the name of Jesus ahead of time. Lord, I thank you, God, that the things that we have been facing, even some of the things that may have been tormenting, God, that there is breakthrough in the house of God. And so, Lord, I thank you that as I speak, that it would not be my words, but it would be yours spoken through me tonight, O Father. Lord, we thank you ahead of time for miracles, for signs, for wonders, for testimonies to come from this place. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. None of that was planned. Okay, Um, so the message that God gave me, the title of my message today is called False Imprisonment. I know. False imprisonment. Okay, I got to look around me. Yep, that's such a great background. Thanks, Pablo (laughs) and team. Um, (laughs) False imprisonment. This is the definition. I had to look it up. The definition of false imprisonment is the unlawful restraint of a person against their will by someone without legal authority or justification. And this is where my mind went. I started to think about how many times we battle things, we even battle people, and we struggle and there's arguing and there's fight and there's conflict and there's torment and there's all of these things that rise up against us. And I felt God say, sometimes we're fighting the wrong fight. We think it's the people, we think it's the situation, but what if we have given ground to some evil or demonic activity, we're in this series, Paranormal Activity, what if we have given some ground to some evil spirits that actually should, should leave, they should not be there? 
we've opened ourselves up to it, but I felt God say there is a higher authority to evict those evil spirits so that we can actually enjoy one another's company, so that we could be in unity as the body of Christ. And so I started thinking about that, how sometimes we can be held captive to a situation or held captive in our heart and in our head, um, thinking that we're fighting the wrong battle, the, the right battle, but really we're fighting the wrong one. So I just want to bring some clarity and some wisdom that I believe can help us. So I was thinking about this whole idea of false imprisonment. Now, um, I was at a Christmas party, I think last year or the year before, and I was astonished to find out how many people I knew that had actually been physically kidnapped. <laughs> like we played, we played this game called True, True, Two Truths and a Lie. I was like, please let it all be lies. And it was like all these kidnappings like were true. And I'm like, what is happening in our world? Anyways, false, and they were all falsely like accused, like no reason for them to be kidnapped. Anyways, they all made it. They're here in this campus, many of them. Anyways. <laughs> Some of the most incredible stories you'll ever hear right here in this house. Um, and so I started to think, you know, about being falsely imprisoned. And I actually remembered um, this crazy thing that happened to me when I was 16 years old. So at 16, as many of you know, my family are missionaries in Ecuador. And I... Um, my parents were very much the starter of, of things. They were starting the church. They were starting ministries. They were some of the first to really just dive into um, uh, the area of Ecuador that we were in and bring revival. But in order to do that, you, you have to start. And so, um, you know, growing up as a teenager, I began to realize like there, I didn't have a ton of Christian circles or Christian friends because the church was starting. Ministries were starting. And so there wasn't a whole lot of people yet that were in my age group. And so I had a conversation with my parents going, I feel like I need to be somewhere where there's other, where I can have other Christian friends or it might not go well for me. <laughs> that was the honest truth. <laughs> I was in, you know, a school and all my friends, not, none of my friends really were Christians. And so they said, okay, Stacy." And so I had convinced my parents to let me go to a boarding school that was in the capital city of Ecuador. And I would be able to come home on all the holidays and summer vacations. And so they went and they, they, they went to the capital city because it was an American and English speaking school. And, um, it was a Christian school. And so um, they met, um, they picked out the dorm for me. Like there was a bunch of different dorms and they felt like they found the one that I would be most comfortable in. They met the dorm parents and the dorm parents were just the loveliest people. And they thought, okay, Stacy could do well here. She could thrive here. So off I go. So I go to this boarding school at 16 years old. And um, two weeks before I went to the school, the dorm parents that my parents had met had gotten swapped out. They um, had gotten promoted, so it was a really good thing. They had gotten promoted in their denomination and the things that they were doing, um, but they had to rush to put new dorm parents into my dorm. And so sadly, they didn't do all of their due diligence, and they chose a couple from the U.S. Um, that had never lived in Ecuador before, so they were new to the culture, new to the language, um, you know, and then, you know, moving countries is kind of a big deal. So that's a lot of pressure, I get that. And um, anyway, so this couple becomes our dorm parents. And I could tell right away something was really wrong with them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so 
all of a sudden, you know, the couple of weeks start passing by and all of a sudden they start to just come in with just a bit of control and manipulation. They start adding to the rule book, you know, like we had some rules that we knew about and they started just adding all their own rules. They started taking away all of our liberties. So instead of going to social activities, they would tell us, no, you can only go to class and then you have to come back here. You have to help us. You have to be in the house. You need to thank us. You need to be grateful to us. And everything became about them. The moment that I knew that something was really wrong was when they sat us down and me and my roommate, were, we were the two oldest ones in the dorm and they sat us down and they said, um, listen, Stacy and my other friend that was there, Suzanne, Stacy and Suzanne, I just wanna tell you that you no longer have actual parents. We're your parents now. Ding, ding, ding. Now as a 16 year old, with a little bit of talk back in me. I was not completely full of wisdom at that time. And I, I'm sitting there like, hmm, yeah, not buying it. So they tell us this and I go, yeah, um, pretty sure I do. Pretty sure they live in Cuenca. Pretty sure I just talked to them a few weeks ago. Pretty sure I still have parents. That did not go over well. They got really angry and really upset. And they started to call our parents and they started to manipulate and they started to just deceive. And they told, I remember them calling my parents and telling them um, that the reason that they took away all of my liberties was because I wasn't getting straight A's. Now, it was only the first quarter of the year. And my, my dad, being the funny man and wonderful man that he is, says to them, Oh, is she like failing everything? They said, no, 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 no. She's got mostly A's, but in, in, two, in one class in particular, she's, she's, not, she's not doing that well. He's like, what class is that? He's like, math. And he's like, oh, yeah. And so <laughs> other people have listened to my messages before. You know where that's going. Anyway, so my dad says to them, says, hey, have you ever asked Stacy what she wants to do when she leaves high school and goes on to college and has a career? Have you asked her what she wants to do? And they said, no, no, we haven't asked her that. He said, yeah, um, here's the thing. If you asked her, you would have found out that Stacy has no aspirations to become a rocket scientist. <laughs> I'm pretty sure rocket scientists need math and science, but that's not Stacy's career path. And actually, the reason we sent her there was not for academia, but is actually for relationship. I actually want her in every social circle I can get her in. That's the whole point of her being there. Well, they didn't like that very much. And so all of a sudden, it became a very restricting environment. And I knew it was really wrong and really messed up. And so, and my parents were trying to grapple with the fact that, is this just a transition time? Like, is this just, you know, um, an adjustment period? They, you know, it's hard to tell. Anyways, long story short, my friend and I had decided we needed to escape. <laughs> and we created a plan to escape. And we thought, if we could just get to where the previous dorm parents are, they will know, they will believe us. They've been dorm parents before. They will know that all the things that are happening are not right and not true. They can do something about it. And so one day we had figured out all the schedules. And when we knew these particular dorm parents were going to go out shopping, we escaped. And so we literally run from the house and we run for 20 minutes. We knew the address where the previous dorm parents were living. And we got to their house and we're praying to Jesus that they are home. And they were, and we rush in and we begin to unravel and cry and tell them everything that had gone on. They were shocked. 
And they said, they felt so bad. So they said, listen, we're going to come in and we're going to check. We're going to find out what's going on. And so sure enough, they brought us back to our dorm, which now we were really scared because we're like, what's going to happen when they find out we've brought some, some of this truth to light? And our, those dorm parents just started checking in through, throughout the week and realized something was really wrong. They went ahead and looked up the file of these two particular people. And in the rushing of things, they hadn't looked up their psychiatric evaluation. And they wound up finding out that this particular couple was, used to be under psychiatric care, had psychotic episodes, were prone to control and to manipulation. Perfect as dorm parents. Long story short, their reign was over. The new dorm parents, they wound up getting fired and repositioned to get health and wholeness in their lives. And the previous dorm parents had committed to two more years because they wanted to ensure that me and my friend had the best rest of our experience there. And so they came in as our dorm parents. Yes, falsely accused, false imprisonment. Why do I say all of that? <laughs> I, I think that's going to help us unpackage today the fact that at times in our life, we, can't, we, we don't understand the things or how things are happening, but if we can get to a higher authority, if we can get to the voice of truth, then that spell can be broken. Then the things that we were accused of that not, might not be so could actually come to light and healing and wholeness can be had. I want to read a couple of verses, and so just stay with me because I'm going to unpackage these verses, but um, there are two passages of Scripture that I'm going to read in two different translations to really open it up. And after this message, you're probably going to need to unpackage it yourself a little bit more. It's like, this is the appetizer, go home. The entree is at home as you unpackage it, but here we go. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 says this. This is the New King James Version. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when obedience is fulfilled." I'm going to read that same verse, but in the Passion Translation. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every defense deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience." And then this verse, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, New King James Version. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, 
stand therefore. You ready for just a little bit more scripture? You're doing good with me? Okay. In the Passion Translation, now my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with the strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of the explosive power flowing in you and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies provided against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Can everybody say victorious? Victorious. Can everyone say victory is mine? mine. All right, here we go. We're going to unpack this real quick. Are you guys ready? We can do this together. Number one, recognize who the real fight is with, an evil spirit or a demonic lie. Whenever we find ourselves in a place of confusion, of extreme control, of indoctrination, of life seeming to get smaller instead of bigger, if we find ourselves in constant cycles of pain and hurt, when there's lack of sleep and stress and panic, that speaks of demonic activity. Could it be not as what we see in the natural? Could there be a demonic activity, a stronghold attached to the things that we are facing? When we see things that are cyclical in our lives, relational breakdown after relational breakdown after relational breakdown, could it maybe not be the humans? Could it not be everyone else? Could it be that the evil one that Satan has launched an attack, could it be that we have believed a lie? And we're operating it with it as truth. We are falsely imprisoned. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, for the weapons of warfare are not carnal. Sometimes it's like you could have fooled me. You know, like when we're in a fight with people, I'm like, what do you mean, demonic activity? Like they're standing right there. (laughs) You are the very face of all demonic activity. It's not them. It's not the face. It's what's behind that. Could it be that sometimes people are just thoughtless and unaware? Sometimes that does happen. But when it goes beyond thoughtless and unaware to something we feel like we just cannot get victory over, that to me says there's some demonic activity that needs to be dealt with. So if the battle is not with the person, then the real battle is with the afflicting spirit or the lie that we have come into agreement with. And if you're feeling like, oh, that sounds really heavy, Stacy," And um, after all, we're all Christians in the church. Surely we don't find ourselves in conflict, in arguments, in disunity, we're the church. Paul wrote those passages of scripture to the Corinthian church. He did not write that letter to the world. He wrote it to the church 
of Corinth, the Corinthians, if they were susceptible to strongholds, if they were susceptible to fighting things in the flesh, do you think that we are also susceptible? Okay, where do we go from here? Point number two, we need to get our filters right and healthy. I'm kind of a tell it like it is. So if you just, just go with me, okay? We need to get our filters right and healthy. When we realize that there is an inner turmoil, could it be a heart issue that has gone undealt with? Let me put it like this. Let's say if someone is up for a promotion and for whatever reason, they don't get the job. Somebody else does. And even if they understand logically, like, okay, actually I get it. I get that that person is more qualified. I get that that person was the right time, the right place. I get that that person had the right skills different to mine. Like, I get it logically. And many of us do this. Like, we, we, we you know, we're a bit mature. We're like, we get it. And then we just move on. And then all of a sudden, we start to see in the weeks and in the months to come, we start to get a little bit antsy around that person that got the promotion. We start to view them in a different kind of a light. We see that when they go out with their new team and they take photos, that we feel a dagger to the heart. How come they have these new friends? How come they're making more money? How come this is happening? How come, how come, how come? And we feel dagger after dagger after dagger, and we get angrier and angrier at the person. Could it be that we simply didn't deal with the fact that when we didn't get the job, we got hurt? Our heart was wounded. Rejection is maybe the label that came. They rejected you and they accepted them. The, the demonic realm, they're so crafty. They come in the moments of which we are vulnerable. They come in the moment where we feel weak and we will have a thought in our head, I wonder why I didn't get that job though. And we let the rejection begin to play in our mind and that a wonderful voice comes in and amends our pain, amends our wound, amends our bitterness that's beginning to form. How many people have gotten stuck in a conversation in their head? <laughs> Who are we talking to? <laughs> Paranormal Activity, the series that we are in. <laughs> We're talking to demonic voices that are amending the situation. And they are taking, they, they're, they're, they're taking license to run rapid in our head and in our heart. The Bible says that we need to take every thought into captivity. To pull a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is? Literally that. It has a hold on us. We, if, if you find yourself in a situation where you cannot let it go, Stronghold. It's a stronghold. It's a strong, it's a grip in our head, in our mind, in our heart, and it has to be dealt with. And oftentimes we just want to deal with the people, don't we? We just want to have the conversation. We just want to have the argument. We need them to understand us. And listen, I'm all for dealing with and having conversations with people. I got a whole business around it how to communicate. So there is a place for it. However, when it goes beyond the natural realm, 
We've got to deal with the spirit behind. You heard in those verses, they're hidden behind the person. It may not be the person. It may not be the situation. It could be that thought, that heart wound that we haven't dealt with. So how do we deal with it? I'm so glad you asked. You all ready? You taking notes? Re-listen to the message because I'm going to go quick and fast. But I really believe these are some things that are going to help us. So how to deal with a wrongful spirit. One, we need to expose. Expose the brokenness to Jesus. Expose the pain and expose the hurt. We actually do have to think back. Okay, and we can invite God into the conversation. God, show me where I first got wounded. Show me where I first got hurt. If, if, we, if we take away the faces, what is the spirit? What's the name? Was it fear? Was it rejection? Was, was, it, was it bitterness? Was it jealousy? What was it that actually wounded us? What were the real daggers that went into the heart? God's so beautiful. If we invite him in and we ask the question, he'll reveal it. And when he does, we simply take that brokenness to the cross. He died that we would be completely and totally set free. He died and he took care of every demon and every demonic stronghold. Satan himself was dealt with when Jesus died and then rose again. All we have to do is enforce what he already paid the price for. So we simply remind the devil and the thoughts that they can leave in the name of Jesus. So one, we expose the brokenness. We bring it before the Lord. And sometimes we hate that because we feel immature. We feel like, well, I shouldn't be upset. I get it. But I am. But I am actually hurt. Can we get vulnerable with ourselves and with the God of the universe that can minister into the pain of our hearts and heal us. Just a moment of vulnerability with God and he'll come in and minister. So we expose it. We take responsibility for our part. If we have begun to picture the person instead of dealing with the spirit, if we've got like a voodoo doll at home and we're putting the pins in, stop it. Now we, that might be a drastic, but how many of us picture that person in our mind? How many of us go, if they would, I don't even want to be a rat. I just want to take responsibility and repent. Repent for our part. What if they didn't mean? What if it was the spirit behind? Can we be gracious enough to go ahead and forgive? We don't even need to have a conversation with them yet. We deal with our own selves and we take responsibility. We repent. So we expose, we take responsibility, we repent. And then we tell that evil spirit in the name of Jesus who died and rose again to leave in the name of Jesus. Every affliction, every evil spirit, every ugly thought, we can actually take captive and say leave in the name of Jesus. And it has to go. And then we let God minister to those areas of brokenness. Now, only after we do that, do we then get to approach people. What if we dealt with it in the spirit? What if we did that first? Do you not think that once our filters begin to adjust, as health comes back to the filters where we stop viewing all the people as evil and realize it was a spirit behind them, 
Do you think it was so so much easier to go, oh my gosh, that situation is not as it is. Oh my gosh, that's just a little thing that needs to be dealt with. It's not so big anymore because the bigness of it has been dealt with. Brings me to point number three, battle in the spirit before confronting the person or people. And I'll even add situation. So before we confront them, we've got to confront the spirit. Can you guys put up that picture that I gave you? Okay, that is an iceberg. I got that picture in my mind as I was preparing this message because I thought oftentimes the big, wicked, evil, demonic spirit, the activity that is happening that is tormenting us, I got the picture that it's just like beneath the waters. It's so big, isn't it? Like we only see the tip of an iceberg. We think the people are the problem. We think the tip of the iceberg is the problem. There's a massive glacier that needs to be dealt with. There's a massive amount of demonic activity that needs to be evicted in the name of Jesus so that by the time we get to the person, it's just the top of the iceberg. It's just a simple conversation. There's no heat and passion behind it because we've dealt with the spirit behind what was happening. Does that make sense? So that image just began to help me. So I often like to go to a um, web address when I'm dealing with this situation called www.zipit.com. That might not be for you, that's for me. I'm like, Stacey, www.zipit.com. You don't get to have that conversation. You don't get to talk to that person unless you have dealt with the reality unless you have dealt with the wickedness that has come from an evil place that hurts you, that hurt me. Okay, number four, and we're wrapping up. Love the person, hate the spirit. Love the person, hate the spirit. People are lovely, the children of God. There's something to love about every single person on the planet. Through the eyes of Christ, we can love everyone. But there is wickedness. And believe you me, I'm not discounting the fact that people can be mean. I'm not uh, discounting the fact that uh, sometimes the devil can work through a person to inflict evil upon us. I'm not discounting that that never happens. Of course it does. I'm just bringing to light a part of the story that often gets overlooked. Sometimes we stay so in the world of dealing with the person that we don't deal with the rejection. We don't deal with the things of the Spirit. And we find ourselves in torment and conflict consistently. And I want that to break in the name of Jesus. I don't want you or I to have to live in that place anymore. I want us to walk into a room and be so excited to see every face and not have to turn when that person walks in the room. I want us to be so healthy and whole that our filters process through the eyes of Christ, that it can even weed out the seeds of the devil as we process with Jesus himself. I I have often thought this, imagine if someone, if, if a demonic spirit is working through someone and it's affecting me, how tormented that person's life must be. I only received a portion. One wicked conversation, imagine the torment. You know why I say that? 
Because when I think about it like that, compassion comes back to my heart. I can actually have compassion and go, gosh, I don't know their history. I don't know their story. I don't know what happened or how it happened. But if they're operating under a demonic grip and realm, it must be awful. Then when I go to have the conversation, I have compassion, I have grace when I speak to this person, knowing there's more going on that meets the eye. And oftentimes it helps me to have the real conversation. I go, you know what? I felt like this when this happened. I felt like that, but I, I dealt with some things in my own heart. Is that something that you see? Instead of accuse, accuse, accuse. Isn't that what the devil wants? He's the great accuser. He wants everyone imprisoned. Doesn't have to be that way. My last point is this, point number five. Go to the highest legal authority, Jesus. I told you that whole story about my sense of false imprisonment in that dorm. And when I realized I was not gonna be able to fight with these people, that no matter what I said or did, it wasn't gonna change the situation. And I told you my friend and I devised a plan to escape. But where did we escape to? A higher authority. We went to the ones that would know truth. We went to the ones that could defend the innocent. Who do you think Jesus is? And listen, I'm not so smart. It wasn't like all of my wisdom at the age of 16 was like, I shall go to the highest authority in yay name of the Lord. I survived. I was in survival mode. But God brought that story back to my mind as I was preparing this message, because he went, I was the very description of what those people were to you. I defend the innocent. I bring truth where wickedness has tried to gain ground. I can cover, I can heal, I can help you to break through and break out. In fact, the Bible says that God has given us the keys to the kingdom. When we feel entrapped and imprisoned in a situation, in an imprisonment in our mind, our heart and our spirit, God's like, why? You have the key. You can get out at any time. That wickedness, it doesn't have as much power as you think it does. Evil spirits, they do have power, but in comparison, in comparison to the living God of the whole world, to the one who defeated death, how much power does Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the God that is on high, the God above every situation and every circumstance, the God that we are the head and not the tail, this is our defender, this is God himself. Jesus. When I read that verse about how we don't fight against flesh and blood, but instead with principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, it exists. There is very evil activity happening in the world and sometimes in our lives and in our hearts. But this is what, what the Bible says about the power 
that is not near as strong as the power of God. Listen to this. And I'm gonna um, just reference a bunch of verses so you don't have to put them on the screen. Um, and just jot these down to just reference when you go back. But just so you know, I'm speaking from the Bible. These are Bible verses. So Romans 8:38 tells us that principalities cannot keep us from the love of God. Therefore, there is a limit to that power. Ephesians 1, 20, 21 tells us that Jesus is enthroned in heaven far above all principalities and powers, above those powers. Colossians 2.10 says that Jesus is head over every principality, over every power. Therefore, Jesus is not the opposite of Satan or principality, principalities. He is above them. Ephesians 3, 10 through 11 tells us that the church makes known the wisdom of God to principalities and to powers. First Colossians 15, 24 tells us that principalities and powers have an end. And one day their purpose will be fulfilled and God will no longer even let them work. And then this is the last verse and I am gonna hinge this whole message on it. I love it. Colossians 2.15 tells us that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers at the cross. Therefore, our victory is rooted in what Jesus did, not in what we do. It isn't that there is no doing on our part. We've got to deal with some stuff. We've got to have some conversations. We've got to deal with the wickedness. But our doing is the appropriation and the application of what Jesus already did. Can I get everybody to stand up? Jesus waged war on the devil and he defeated him all those years ago. All we have to do now is rise up and apply the blood that he shed. All we have to do is apply what he has already done for us. How liberating is that? That's not us in our own strength. That's not waging war in our own flesh. That's we can let some things go because God's got this. And all I have to do is invite Him in to take care of what I could never take care of in my own arm and in my own strength. God is so good. And in Matthew 16, 19, it says, like I said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. In heaven. False imprisonment. No longer after today, I am believing, will we be held in a prison with low level demonic activity when we have access to the highest authority in the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.